Welcome to Inside Dance, a podcast that celebrates the Bates Dance Festival dance community. I'm your host, Lindsay LaPointe. This episode features Joanna Katza, a Brooklyn-based, Bessie Award-winning dancer, choreographer, and teacher. She creates highly physical dance performances through a collaborative, multidisciplinary process, presenting ways to look at effort, labor, humor, violence, unpredictability, and beauty through movement, as well as the body's relationship to sound, materials, light, and space. Here is a recent interview that was recorded in the summer of 2022. I'm Joanna Katza. I am a dancer, choreographer, and teacher based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm originally from South Africa, but I grew up mostly in the U.S. and have been in New York for over 20 years. I had been hearing about the Bates Dance Festival for many years before I came. Um, but the first time I came was in 2019. Shoni Courier invited me uh, to present my evening-length piece, What Will We Be Like When We Get There? She had seen that at New York Live Arts and wanted me to, to present that work here. And so alongside that, that piece was a collaboration, a multidisciplinary collaboration with a visual artist, Jonathan Allen, a composer, Ryan Seaton, and um, for this iteration, dancer Ovashea Mugbemi. And um, so along with performing the work, Shoni asked me to, um, asked us to teach a multidisciplinary creative process and making class, uh, which was really great to do alongside the performing. So working with the students during the week and then having them come and see the performance and see our process in performance was a really special way to share the work here. Um, and then Shoni asked me to come back this year to teach my piece um, called Big Beats, which was an originally um, performed by 20 professional dancers in New York uh, on the pier at Riverside Park in September of 2021. Um, and I am now setting that on students in the professional training program, um, 28 students, which is great because it's a nice big group. And I have to say that they are, I've set this piece a few times now and they are, um, by far the most enthusiastic group that I've had so far, and it's been really, really fun working with them. They come in with a lot of energy, and um, they've been very supportive of each other. It's a lot of material to learn over a short period of time, and I've just been really amazed at how, how they've worked together um, and really supported each other through the process of learning this piece. And um, yeah, we're going to show the, the piece at the end of today, <laughs> the last day, uh, hopefully on the football field. So it's sort of becoming part of my dream of wanting to um, add more and more people to this movement and one day have a large group of 200, 300, 400 people in a large space like a football field um, doing this piece. 
Yeah, it, um, it's interesting because the movement is um, all in unison, except for the end. And it's always the same movement. It's always the same counts, although the counts were crazy. And um, it's always the same music. But it has been really different every time that we've done it because of the setting, because of the people, the, the, really the concept of big beats is the individual within a collective. So how do we as individuals work as a group, as a community, as a collective to accomplish something together? And how do then we, how are then we seen as individuals within that collective? Um, so it really depends on the individuals even though it's done in unison, even though we're all doing the same movement and it's movement that's been done before, it's very particular to that group because of who they are. Um, the other way that it shifts is um, actually Big Beats became part of an evening length piece of mine called Electric Eye. And um, so Big Beats, when I call it Big Beats, it's sort of, um, I describe it as like a less formal version because only simply because it's outside. There's you people are the dancers are usually in, in um, shoes and kind of bright street clothing, um, and the it's the audience is all around. They're seated viewing all around, and um, there's kind of more of like a um, just an outside energy to it. There's an, the other version that became part of Electric Eyes, a more formal version that's been performed in a theater that's part of a larger piece, but um, it's, it's really bringing the same thing in terms of um, a group, a collective, really like driving through this, um, you know, this hard movement together and like what are what are they trying to accomplish by doing this together and then understanding the individual within that collective so when it's performed in a theater it's um it's got lights it's got costumes it's got you know it's part of a larger work um and then when it's uh big beats outside it's got a little bit um, of a different energy to it so i've said it on um two other student groups um, at University of the Arts in Philadelphia and um, at the Ailey School. And even those were different. The U Arts students performed it in a courtyard, much, much more like the Big Beats version. And then the Ailey students performed the more formal version in a theater that then um, went on to, to a longer piece. So each time I do it, it's kind of finding its own um, home, I guess. And this, uh, to me, I don't know, there's, um, I think this version to me has almost been the most, the most, um, I don't know what the right word is, but, um, Maybe because it's so in my body now, I'm able to enjoy uh, watching them learn it and like their energy around it. So yeah, it's been a very joyful experience teaching it here um, to this particular group of students. And 
I think if we do do it on the football field, there's going to be a real um, excitement around that. I really work with each person that's in the room, um, but definitely through the last few years in terms of the pandemic and um, social and political issues that have been, you know, very um, prominent in this country, that has been something that's felt necessary. The need for community has been, uh, personally for me, through the pandemic, something to um, help me continue. Um, even prior to the pandemic, working on Electric Eye, uh, we were working with this concept of how do we continue. There's been a lot, um, again, of social political <laughs> issues surrounding us that informs, for me, um, what comes out of our bodies. And so um, the need to connect with people, the need to um, feel your strength as an individual, even within a community, uh, having social media is something that I feel sometimes separates us more than it brings us together. I'm interested in like putting us in a room, like what happens when we're in a room together not only performers, but viewers and performers. The relationship to the viewer is always something that is really an important part of my work. Um, so I think that, I think that, you know, idea of this individual within a collective has just been heightened for me in the past few years and it uh, came through very strongly in big beats for me. And then that, that was the sort of light bulb moment for creating Electric Eye that then I actually really pulled out individuals from that collective and those became solos within the work. Um, so yeah, I really, for me, I really believe that everything that's happening around us is housed in our bodies. And so my interest is creating a space where those things can emerge over time through movement and we each have our own experiences and it's my job to sort of like take those experiences and shape them into something we share with other people. When I was here in 2019 and teaching that class, the multidisciplinary making class, um, a dancer named Samara Johnson was in my class and I immediately was like, who is that person? <laughs> so I, she and I connected after that time and she has now been in my work for the last couple of years and uh, was in Big Beats, was in Electric Eye and we're still working together now and she's actually back here this year um, training this summer as well. So I think the most immediate impact was, was meeting Samara um, and realizing, you know, how special this human is and that I get the chance to work with her. Um, I think, you know, growing my relationship with Shoni has been really amazing. She's been a really 
a really big support of my work and she's somebody that I often contact to just get advice about things and um, you know have as somebody who can um, act as an advocate for for me and that's rare in this field to find somebody who um, says yes and says yes I can help you with this or yes please let me know what you need so I'm really grateful for that relationship also um, Allie Janes another person who I met um, through Bates in 2019 um, Ali, I have a, a project that I've been working on the last year and a half called Long Distance Dance Dialogues, which is a, um, has been so far a remote project um, that came out of the desire during COVID to connect with other dancers and makers around the world um, to sort of understand how they were and are continuing through this time. And, um, I chose people in different countries, different cities, and Ali was one of the people participating in that project. And so I've had a chance to get to know Ali better um, through interviewing her, understanding her life and dance trajectory better. Um, and then we actually, so the, the project has two component, components. It's uh, I interview each person and then I um, set up a, a movement relay between all participants. And um, I, like, I passed on a movement, a minute of movement to one dancer. They learned that minute, and then they created another minute of movement that gets passed on to the next dancer, and so on and so forth. And, then, and I had the privilege of learning Ali's movement at the very end. So not only do I feel like I got a little bit of a, more of a sense of who Ali is and her history, but also who she is a, as a mover because I had to learn her movement, um, which was such a privilege to, to be able to, to do. So I'm grateful for that, for all of those relationships that, um, that Bates has given me. I have many mentors and teachers who have been big influences on my, on my dancing and my work. I would start first with my first ballet teacher um, named Patricia Miller at Indiana University. She was a very rigorous teacher. Um, you had to take three ballet classes at six years old, and you know she she expected a lot out of you, and um, didn't matter that you were so young, you know. But she also had a warmth and a generosity to her that I think. Um, was a gift within the ballet world um, and put me in a really positive place with that kind of training. Uh, I certainly had other wonderful ballet teachers as I, as I grew up, um, but then I would say the next person that was sort of most influential was um, Lana K. Rosenberg, who was my dance teacher in college at Miami University, who runs dance theater. And Lana Kay is the first person who introduced me to modern dance um, and really encouraged me to, um, she saw the potential in me to be able to sort of shift from this world to that world and, and not um, make me feel like 
I had to leave what I had already done, but to use what I knew to, to move into this other form. And um, she's a very energetic, very passionate teacher, which um, just gave me a lot of, um, yeah, passion for continuing to, to try to do this, to try to keep dance as a part of my life. Um, she would take us to New York once a year, so she really introduced me to like how to take class in New York, who to go, where to go to take class in New York. Um, she told me about the American Dance Festival, which I went to twice in college, which is a big introduction for me um, to people in the dance world since I didn't go to a dance school. Um, and she also encouraged the cross-disciplinary learning between dance and my architectural studies because she was friends with the architecture professors who I would then say are the, the, another influence on my work. Um, two in particular, um, Jay Elliott used to be a dancer before he, he danced also while he was studying architecture. So he um, really encouraged me to, to keep doing both things. And the chair at the time, Bob Benson, who is a, also a composer, often worked uh, with dancers and with dance, with his composing. So they were always really um, encouraging me to use what I knew in both forms to um, develop my work, both architecturally and choreographically and as a dancer. Um, and the architecture really informed sort of how I looked at the body, how I saw space and um, the body in space. And then I would say from there after I moved to New York, I would say the first person to be a, a really big influence on me was Risa Steinberg, um, who was a Limon dancer and um, has taught at Juilliard for many, many years. But she, um, sort of similar to my ballet teacher and to Lana Kay, um, is a very rigorous dancer and teacher and um, expected a lot out of you in every class and yet was also very generous and very warm and very encouraging. She taught me a lot about, she taught me how to plie, <laughs> how to use my plie. She's got an amazing plie. Um, she taught me how to really see with my eyes, actually see the things that are, that are in front of me. And also how to pay attention to the backspace. She, she really dances 360 and um, yeah, she's just watching her for me is inspiring every, everything that she does. Um, and she introduced me to Wally Cardona, um, whose company I auditioned for and was in for 10 years. And I would say he's, prob he's probably the biggest influence on, um, on how I dance, what I feel is important in my dancing, and also, um, and also a big influence in, in 
how I began to choreograph and how I see space and use the body in space and architecture of the body. Um, so Risa introduced me to Wally Cardona, who, um, whose company I auditioned for and I was in for 10 years. And I would say that he has had the most influence on how I actually use my body um, and uh, was a big influence on how I s began to choreograph work. He pushed me really hard, very hard. <laughs> I'll always be really grateful for that. He pushed me into places I had no idea I could go. He literally, I think, changed the way that I use my body in terms of force and direction, timing, um, and understanding, helping me to understand that there's always more. There's always more to find out, to figure out, to seek out, um, and, and also teaching me to always use the work, the practice, the rehearsal as a performance and use the performance as the work, the rehearsal, the practice. Um, huge influence on how I see the viewer and um, have a relationship with the viewer. Uh, but also, uh, I would say the biggest thing is like mechanically how I use my body. I learned a lot from his his physical um, forces. He has a background in Klein technique, introduced me to Klein technique, which is also a really big influence on my, the way that I work and the, what I teach, the language that I use. I've studied with Barbara Mahler for 20 years and she's been a huge influence on how I understand the anatomy, my anatomy, um, and how to take care of my body um, and what I feel is important to me and to my work in terms of, um, again, force, direction, opposition. Um, and so those, those things kind of worked hand in hand. Um, Wally's, Wally's movement and choreography and this influence on uh, of Klein technique and how um, the forces work in the body created um, a lot of the way that I use my body today and continue to discover. Um, I'll, I'll just mention two other people. One is Gus Solomons Jr., who for me has been an amazing mentor. Um, not only do I admire Gus uh, and his career and the way that he continues to make and do throughout his life, he is, has been somebody who knew me as a dancer when I was dancing for Wally. And then once I started making my own work, really support, has supported me through that journey. And is somebody who I feel like is in the back of my mind saying, you can do this, you know, each time. He also has a, ba a background in architecture, so we share that that love of um, of architecture, of the body in, in space, and um, he, yeah, he's just somebody who um, is always very encouraging, always has a lot of feedback for me, and um, who I appreciate having 
uh, as somebody I can continue learning from. And I'll just, I'll finish with, because um, there's a long list. Um, Kimberly Bartosik, who I have been dancing, I think this is my 13th year dancing for her. And she's had a really big influence on me um, in many ways. Not only is she, not only is she a close friend of mine, but she um, has helped me to literally keep going as a dancer by hiring me, <laughs> to deciding to continue working with me, which I am forever grateful for. But um, also because she, um, I look to her sort of drive and pathway as a maker um, and uh, understand through her that it's not easy, but that it can be done because she's doing it. And I admire the way that she's, um, that she continually is uh, looking for the next thing and um, passionate about her work and um, creates a community of dancers in her, in her work that's really important to her. Um, so, and she also, I think, has really pushed me to um, places in my body that I didn't know I could go. I think for me, one of my, one of the, I have a long list of things that I attempt to practice each day. And one of those things is something that I learned from Wally. Um, finding the potential of the body in each moment. And to me, that's rigor. How that often manifests for me personally is um, very full-bodied dancing, um, pushing myself to places I'm not sure where they're going to go. Um, and or trying to coach somebody in that place for themselves. Um, sticking with something over time, and I mean like years, <laughs> to continue to dig deeper into that and how that shifts and changes in your body over time. Um, I think a lot of times for me, it manifests in a drive, a certain kind of drive. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of interested in like, how do we push, um, like how far can we go? Uh, and I don't mean necessarily making yourself exhausted every time, but um, again, what is the potential of that moment? Um, I think in particular with, if I were to just talk about it within big beats, there's something about the repetition and length of time that is important to the rigor of it. And that through that time, you start to experience the movement and the people differently. Um, so the movement is full-bodied, it's difficult, it's moving through space. Um, and if that goes on for quite a while, 
where does that put you in your body? <clears throat> and where does, how does that, how do we see you in that moment, in those shifts and those changes over time? So there's, I'm often interested in like how things meet. So do things meet over a long period of time? Like big beats, like it happens over this period of time or does something like flip from here to here? Do they meet like this? Do they not meet? And I think there's something, I often have um, a very kind of quick timing that goes through the body um, that for me um, tries to work on my, this practice of pulling information from everywhere at once. And that can manifest in like movement that shifts all the time or something that continues over a long period of time, but you're still trying to use all of that information all of the time. I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but <laughs> I'm trying to just, I'm trying to think of the ways that I, I feel or use rigor um, for me. No, I'm really interested in humor in relationship to movement. And sometimes that comes out in language as well, but it always, for me, starts with the body. And I'm also interested in humor in relationship to um, things that maybe shouldn't be or aren't funny, but become humorous because of context or time or relationship. Um, I'm really interested in spectrums, and one of those spectrums is humor to violence, and how you might flip from one to the next, or how something might develop. Something might be so violent that somehow all you can do is laugh, um, or something is, you're laughing at something and all of a sudden it's not funny anymore. So, um, it always, to, for me, kind of starts from the body rather than from like an outside idea of what might be funny or humorous. Um, and I think it comes through often for me in sort of like awkwardness or um, things that are not necessarily um, expected from me or someone else or from the body, if, if you're given, I really like to um, not, in part of my practice, like not take myself too seriously so that there's room for humor to emerge. It's not that the practice is to be funny or to have something humorous happen, but if there's space for that, does that emerge? I think that there's often, um, it's a really hard thing to do um, in dance and have it not feel put on. So I think it's important to me how, how it emerges through the body um, and then how that's in relationship to a viewer. Um, yeah. I think what sustains me most is two things, the need to move 
the absolute like need to do that and the people that I'm with. I think also it's my way of doing what I do is the way that I make sense of the world, right? That's what we do as artists. It's how we make sense of what's happening around us. And so that feeds the need to do it. In order to do it, you need support. So um, that's where the less glamorous things come in, in terms of having to write grants, having to make phone calls, write emails. Um, I, not by choice, but out of necessity, happen to do most of those or all of those things myself. And so you also build up a whole other set of skills, um, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, yeah, I guess I come back to those two things. The reason I keep doing it is because I have to. Um, I know that sounds very general, but I, that really is what it comes down to for me. If I'm not doing that, I'm not me. Um, and what helps sustain me in doing that is other people who are doing it. So either doing it with me or doing it themselves and I use them as, as examples of how to keep going. Again, how do we continue? How do we keep doing the thing that we love, that we have to do? I really feel like um, I want to do what I love. And if that means all of this other work that I don't necessarily <laughs> love to do, I'm willing to do that in order to do the thing that I love. Um, it's, yeah, it's my way of making sense of myself, of the world, and it's my way of being in relationship to other people. There are ways that I can feel like I can be when I'm dancing th that don't necessarily emerge in other ways or at other times. And um, so I think it's when I'm at my fullest. The festival director is Shoshona Courier. The director of training programs is Allie James. Sound recording and editing by me, Lindsay LaPointe. For more information about the festival, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.